I'm Laurel. And I'm Danny. And this is the astrology of unconsenting sex symbols. Ooh, deep cut. Deep cut. Yeah, yeah. This is the astrology of Brooke Shields. We are on the second leg of our journey with Ms. Shields. Um, We do know already that her name is Brooke Shields. Um, We also do know that her birthday is May 31st, 1965 at roughly 1.45 p.m. in Manhattan, New York. And we went through her sort of whirlwind adventure, we'll call it, uh, in life. That's putting it pretty lightly. Like, what... A lived, remember, remember how every like three major catastrophic life events, I'd be like, how old is she again? And you'd be like, oh, she's now 14. Oh, she's now 16. Like, she she lived a last life. She really did. She really did. And today we're going to get into her birth chart. As we know, this is Laurel's territory. I'll just chime in with questions and squares are bad. <laughs> we have it very formulaic. <laughs> Sexy sextiles, bad squares. Love trines. <laughs> Love trines. Uh, okay. Well, we don't have a whole heck of a lot of love trines happening in Brooke Shields's birth chart, but we do have a lot of squares. Ooh, <laughs> like seven. Did anybody see that coming? Just raise your hand now if you saw the squares coming. Definitely. We got two here. <laughs> we got two hands raised. Two here. takers, folks. Two takers. <laughs> so okay. So okay. So huh. okay. okay. So okay. So. <laughs> Brooke Shields, as we noted, uh, definitely in our last episode a lot, she is a Gemini sun, Gemini moon, Virgo rising. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that? That was good. I loved it. That was good. That was adorable. I have my job here. You too. You too. <laughs> Absolutely. No one is saying otherwise. I bet long hair. Oh my gosh. You you keep me on track. You, keep, you reel me in. <laughs> yeah, right. I distract you and lose your place. <laughs> that is how you rein me in. <laughs> otherwise, I'll just like keep talking words, you know? They'd just be like... Yeah, very and that's it. Very Steve Carell. Sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. <laughs> that's how it feels like when you translate energy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Brooke Shields, Gemini Sun, Gemini Moon, Virgo Rising. We're gonna start with her sun naturally because her sun is naturally. a really prominent. I'm and I'm not saying that the sun in everyone's chart isn't prominent, but I'm saying in her chart. I was going to say, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Like, what is it about Brooke's chart that you're like, okay, the sun is prominent? Yes. Do tell. Absolutely. So the first thing is that Brooke was born during the day. 
Brooke was born at around 1.45 p.m., so the height of the day, you know what I mean? So that means that the sun was in the sky when she was born, which means that between the sun and the moon, the sun actually has more prominence and influence in her energy and in her expression. So that was one thing where it's like, and anyone that's born during the day, the sun tends to have a little bit more oomph and a little more say than the moon might have. And if you're born at night, the moon has more oomph than they people. So that's how that works. And another thing is her son is in her 10th house, which is the most visible, prominent part of the chart. So that puts it like, oh, okay. So the sun is not only powerful because she was born during the day and has influence there, but also it is at the uh, one of these pinnacle points in the birth chart. This kind of very vibrant, very public, very open, very out there, influential, authoritative spot inside of the chart. So I was like, okay, so like this is, we got a lot of focus on that sun. And the other reason why I was like, wow, this sun is happening is because it is conjunct the North Node and it is also conjunct Jupiter. So it's holding hands with these. With both of them, one on either side, the sun squish in the middle of the North Node and Jupiter. So that puts a lot of emphasis and it adds a lot of like to the equation of the sun. This energy brings in a lot of abundance and mega exaggerates the fact that Brooke Shields was and remains a household name across the globe. This is like the bigness of Jupiter meets the destiny of the North Node. Jupiter is the planet that is most known to bring big bounties and in unison with the sun is often a big indicator of luck and opportunities, especially in public spheres. So there's just a lot of energy and emphasis going on with that sun. The fact that it's conjunct Jupiter in the North Node means that it uh, tends to bring about a person whose character is optimistic, generous, socially conscious. However, it can lead to an inflated ego and occasionally needs a reality check to ensure expectations are grounded and practical. I don't think that was necessarily the primary case for Brooke. I honestly don't think she – she might dabble with an overinflated ego because, like, who at icon level status wouldn't? I think that considering that she does have icon level, like, cultural mythological proportions of status, that she's actually really grounded and really practical, all things considered – like for her life and what her life has been. Mm-hmm. But this mm-hmm. is a pretty fucking damn auspicious aspect. So it makes me be like, wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of energy happening there. There's a lot of bigness. There's a lot of pr- prominence is the key word. Like her son is really prominent in her chart. And I just want to go back to a little bit about like the sun being in Gemini and in the 10th house. Sun and Gemini people are information-oriented. They're highly versatile, very curious. They tend to be social and quick-witted and have a playful disposition or kind of like a trickstery uh, kind of disposition at times. However, there can be a really strong tendency to compartmentalize and intellectualize and flip-flop on their stances and opinions. Which I feel like we saw a lot with Brooke around was the treatment of her at those ages okay? There are times when she 
recognizes that it wasn't. And there are times where it's almost hard for her to do that. Absolutely. And we talked about it in our last episode, I think, when we like read direct quotes from her. And even in Mm -hmm. there, we were like, wow, that's very – Japanese of her to be like contradictory yeah be like oh, I was exposed to prostitution at a super young age growing up in New York but also I was very very sheltered and never saw any of that stuff so you know and it was like wait well 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 you know mm-hmm. so there I think that that does play a lot into uh I think that this comes through as a defense mechanism in a lot of ways and there's good reason for that, yeah. right? But it's that yeah, does that makes sense. be some of the pitfalls of having high air energy in your chart. But Sun and Gemini people are really good at paying attention to details and absorbing information like sponges and connecting dots. So that's probably part of why she was such a good uh, actress, really able to portray, portray things that she had not yet experienced, that she did not yet understand but could uh, mm-hmm. understand conceptually kind of on the th- surface level what it was and then plug and play there. So Gemini energy, especially an abundance of it, can be very plug and play. They're like, can I get the basics? And they're like, oh, 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 oh. That's what it does. It's connective energy. Mm-hmm. And her son was in the 10th house, which I mentioned is a kind of instant spoonful of recognition and purpose when people have their son in the 10th house, it often manifests as a natural inclination towards leadership and authority and that the person's sense of self and ego is tied up in their careers or their public influence. So son in the 10th house, people tend to kind of get workaholic reputations. They tend to be known in some way, you know, whether it's in a very large global sense and for Brooke, I mean, that has a lot to do with Jupiter and the North node being conjunct her son as well. Uh, or if it's just being known within your your chosen field or or whatever that might look like. But sun in the 10th house, people tend to, uh, to uh, set out to accomplish something, to achieve something, to contribute something in some way. So my question here, you know, we've talked about difficult placements, okay? I think we were talking recently, I have my son... I don't know, the 8th or the ninth house. You say ninth, ninth house by whole sign houses. I don't know what that means, though. Why does time passages say that I'm in the 8th house, but you say I'm in the ninth? Because they use a Placidus house system. It's a different, it's just a different system. Okay, so what makes the sun being in like the 8th or the ninth house difficult, but not so difficult in the 10th house? And does it matter what sign? doesn't mean that it's not difficult as we will see okay it's just the focus is in those topics okay we'll we get to uh how it's experienced when you talk about aspects so right now i was just outlining like that's a pretty solid setup like that component is well placed sure but that component as we're gonna find out is part of some really tough astrology as well however it clearly did not negate the fame, fortune, abundance, opportunity, recognition that comes with that placement. That still happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it still occurred. It just has uh, other factors contributing and playing into it. It's not all rainbows and sunshine, right? Sure. So I mentioned the North Node being kind of looped in on this situation with the sun. And this is a really big contributor to the level of notoriety and intensity that she experienced her life within. Literally her son, herself – was somehow meant to be exposed to the public. It was meant to be in 
the public. It was meant to be out there for everyone to see. That's that 10th house. It's like what we're known for, how we're seen. And this is really the astrology of an icon. Like it really is that kind of placement, that destined for greatness kind of vibe that some people just have, you know, she was five days old and her mother was like, you're going to be a star kid. You're destined for greatness, kid. It shows in her chart, <laughs> like for real. And this nodal contact is 100% speaking on the fact that Brooke's energy was meant to shine and that that's what she had lessons in, learning on public display, sharing ideas and opinions, trying on different hats. It was all going to happen for her in major ways. And it's exactly the path that was like set out for her, energetically speaking, to follow. And she has tried on a million hats. That's a big Gemini thing, right? The versatility. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... That all sounds pretty super fucking amazing, right? Like, <laughs> all of that is such auspicious opportunities. It sounds good. And then knowing her history. Right. Well, that's where things take a bold turn because you just really can't have it all. It would seem the universe has its own sets of checks and balances. <laughs> Does it not? It do. <laughs> and so... <laughs> We have her son, this beautifully auspicious, intellectual, charismatic, social son, Square, Uranus. Nope. Pluto. No. And Mars. Nope, not for me. Um, I feel like these are like big hitters in our charts. They So are. to have all these squares with these particular planets feels... And as someone who also has our Mars in Virgo, ooh, honey. Mm -hmm. No, you hit the nail on the head. This is a straight-up clusterfuck. All three yeah. of these planets, exactly as you said, Uranus, Mars, Pluto, they are super heavy hitters, especially when they're making a square aspect. And ooh. it's like this little war being waged because we have that supercharged sun energy, her essence in an intense conflict with wider cultural controversies and taboos. Like, Uranus is very controversial. Uranus is shock. Uranus is upheaval. Uranus is like, ah, we're doing it different. And Mars is anger, aggression, rage, fight, assertion. And then Pluto is taboos and mysteries and the underbelly and darkness and manipulations. And all of that energy is one bundled together for her. It's all one fucking thing to her. It's all one thing. And it's in a tight tension with her core identity. Ouch. Big ouch. And I really right? just like, oof, oof, oof. The reason that I think that it's so global, her success and her story and her ex experiences, this Pluto-Uranus situation, it's outer planets. And outer planets tend to bring in really big themes, like societal type themes. And we saw this with OJ's chart too, where he had mm, I knew I was like this sounds familiar he had but Saturn I, and Pluto in his first house and he was a cultural icon and a representation mm, of some kind of concept mm -hmm. some kind of global or not global but like societal yep. systematic process and concept you know Brooks the same way to me yeah 100% though you can actually see it too if you I mean literally just listen to the first episodes of each of the people mm -hmm. You know, um, 
she was used just like he was used. Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, these aspects definitely speak to all the bizarre, the taboo, the provocative, the sexualized, kind of truly unbelievable situations that she was uh, conditioned to work under. <laughs> and, and Brooke was this sort of sexualized side of it and and OJ was the racialized side of it. I mean, oh my God, it's like slapping me in the face right That's now. That's what I'm saying, dude. And it's really also because- And I want to say, I feel like it's important, it's pertinent that I say these are two different um, seasons here. That I don't think that Brooke Shields is heading down to Murderville. Absolutely not. Don't see that. I'm just saying this part. We're saying this this iconic part. part, This representing something to the masses. Astrological pattern. Absolutely. Yes, an astrological pattern. Because we keep seeing these patterns both just in this season and also in from season one, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, but it's not about the killing. It's about the mothering. It's about, not the, about parenting, the killing. Or it's about the, the trauma. Time. It's about the trauma. It's about the trauma. The trauma, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is where all of our patterns have stemmed from. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I love this podcast. Me too, dude. The fucking like <laughs> puzzle pieces. You're just like, wow. I don't know about you guys, but I am getting a lot from this. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> so this really, to me, the square, this tension, yeah. this conflict, this abrasion to her son, to me, this is where the compartmentalization gets pulled the fuck out as a response. You know, that this is what we do for work. This is what we do to live. I also really mm-hmm. want to emphasize that there is a very strong survival instinct that runs through this energy. And I think that that speaks to the way that she's been trying to fight and break out of the cultural expectations as a sex icon, because that was never mm-hmm. really her. Those were things that were forced upon her that created friction with her figuring out who she was actually. Like, who she actually was. She was just born with that face, as she said. And it was like, well, who am I if if I'm not this thing that I, d- I just fell into, basically? That I didn't choose. Mm-hmm. That I was just told that I am. Yeah. One million. And for someone with a Virgo rising, that's tough. It's very tough. Very, very tough. And Virgo Mars? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's our action. If you tell me you have to do this today, it's not getting done. How dare you? <laughs> For her, it was survival. It, has to it be was. My it was. It was just. It was just that survival stuff. That feeling like you don't have a choice is part of the square energy. Oh yeah. Because remember, Pluto controls, right? Mars threatens. Right. Yeah. Uranus changes things, right? Like so, it. She felt truly. That she didn't have a choice. Now, if this had been maybe a trine or a sextile aspect, then she would have vehemently made her choices. But the square creates borders and boundaries, confines that have to be worked within. So it wasn't a it was not a good time. And this energy just it really encompasses so much of her life at different points and is certainly a huge yeah. part of how she was manipulated to fit that perfect Virgo, right, idea of woman, mm-hmm. which is her Gemini stellium up in the 10th house, which we'll go into further. 
but this is seriously severe energy and yeah. it gives Brooke an extreme amount of tenacity and grit and determination. Like there are good things that can mm-hmm. come from this energy. I want to be very clear on that because these hard aspects are intended to teach us something. And if you learn it, then you get these good things like tenacity and grit and determination. Right. Brooke, though, may even border a little bit on like an obsession with improvement with some of this energy with that strong Virgo like acute survival in Virgo energy but the fighting spirit came through the practice of poise in the face of the public perception for sure yeah you know how I do I'm always like looking up like okay well I'm nothing like them right but (laughs) my sun squares my Pluto Ooh, so it's terrible. But it's that survival instinct, and we're not going to rehash your whole ass childhood. But it is that kind of that survival, that manipulation, that feeling controlled. Sun square Pluto is that feeling controlled thing, or being easy to control in the beginning, and then you you learn that tenacity, and you learn that grit, and you learn that fight, and you learn that resolve, and yeah. Damn, that is crazy. Also, my moon squares a lot on my shit too. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm riddled, riddled with squares over here too. Are yeah, you? I got a lot oh of my squares god, we need to do. I think our next chit chat episode should be on squares and oppositions. Okay, we can do that. Okay. I think I'd like to learn more about that because squares scare me now. Don't be scared of them. They're tough, they but square me now. <gasps> they square me now. Did you hear? Me? <laughs> Danny, you're so cute. <laughs> they square me. They square me. Oh, I'm all squared up. <laughs> oh, no, I'm squared. <laughs> so squared is going to be the replacement for I'm fucked. I'm scared. No, I'm squared. you're squared. <laughs> I'm squared. Oh, no. Speaking of squares. Okay. Brooke's son also, in addition to squaring that clusterfuck, also squares yep. her... Saturn. Big Daddy Saturn. Zaddy Saturn. Dommy. Dommy Saturn. Dommy Saturn. Dommy Saturn. Yeah. So it's like on top of that very potent and shattering energy, she has her sun square Saturn, which creates what's called a T square. A terrible square. Uh oh. (laughs) Not a T square. Okay, so what is the difference between a T square and a regular square? Uh, so if you if you look at the chart that I have up for us here, you'll see that there is a gigantic red square. But if you look a little closer, you see that square is actually made up of oppositions and other squares. Mm-hmm. This is what's called an aspect pattern. So it includes three or more planets. So one planet okay. squares another planet. That planet okay. opposes a third planet. The third planet says no squares the first planet. So it creates this uh, closed circuit triangle situation. And it's a tough aspect. It's a toughie of an aspect. And the sun is the one at the focal point. So the sun is at the top of the triangle, at the top of the T-square, which means it is getting all of the pressure, all of the pressure from the Saturn opposite Mars, Pluto, and Uranus is also being squished out onto the sun to deal with. So talk about like truly existential, not knowing who you are, feeling so super suppressed. So her sun and Jupiter conjunction are receiving an immense amount of pressure 
and tension from all of the most challenging planets in the chart. All of the challenging energy is creating a square to like the sun. Womp, womp, womp. Yep. And classic sun square Saturn <laughs> tends to represent individuals who feel like they have a difficult time expressing themselves or allowing themselves permission to be their own person. People with this aspect tend to be very self-critical and judge themselves incredibly harshly, having a difficult time with self-assurance. It's also likely that they had to grow up quickly or were forced to mature early in life. Um, Holo, how many directors yeah. were trying to force her maturation on screen? <laughs> Hello. Pretty sure this girl's first kiss and uh first uh she like lost her virginity, not like really, but like lost her virginity, air quotes, uh on screen. Yeah. So yeah. Think so. Think that tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. But there's also probably a sense of loyalty to the old ways, perhaps making it difficult to let go of things even when you know better. And to me, this is like her being stuck in that pattern of like, it wasn't really that bad. Oh, that's just how it was back then. Yeah. And like, I chose it. I said yes. Yeah. Yeah. The illusion of control. Mm-hmm. There tend to be difficulties with boundaries as well as a sense that you really need to prove yourself, which can ultimately be good as it results in a lot of determination. But just like the other aspects that we've seen, these are obstacles that have to be overcome first. So you could see that, yeah, she got a lot of bounty, but it's also very clear by some of this energy that motherfucker worked for it. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking too, like back to the survival thing, right? Like probably her holding on to those old ways of being, the way that she was told to be, etc., is probably part of that survival. Because like admitting that she was completely violated and downright sexually assaulted throughout her childhood might just be too much for her to bear. And that I agree. nobody can fault her no. for. Totally agree. Absolutely. The healing takes time. It takes time. If I could turn back time. (laughs) So how about we talk about her Gemini moon in the 10th house? We might as fucking We're already in the 10th house. We're already (laughs) in the 10th house. We're in Gemini. We might as well hop over to the moon. Uh, So Mm. moon in Gemini in the 10th, a.k.a. work is life. AKA this how you be a millionaire. <laughs> Truly. This is how you be a global icon. Follow my lead. So Brooke has her moon in Gemini in the 10th, which again brings- <gasps> I have my moon in the 10th. You do have your moon in the 10th. Do you? No, you don't. You have your moon in the 11th. Oh, I guess I'm going off time passages. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who to trust. Trust me. Why are you giving me that face? You're sitting here agreeing with these observations I'm making. (laughs) I do agree because I don't know that work is life for me. I mean, I can be workaholic tendencies, but I can also have really bad boundaries where I don't want to work at all. Well, in my system, work would not be life for you. Community, connection, aspirations, Ah, groups. That's life. Okay. That makes more sense. That's my system, yeah. Um, okay, so what is the Placidus system and what is the whole house system? Oh, boy, howdy. What's the difference? Okay, it's just different ways of splitting the chart up, splitting up the, the sections of the charts. Whole sign is one of the original Western house systems. Uh, it is what we use okay. in Hellenistic astrology, and that is why I use it. I have also found that I used to do Placidus work. Um, that's what I grew up on or came up on or learned on or whatever you want to say. 
because that was what was available. That was what was known. That was what I like. That's a baseline for many other systems. But I have found that whole sign houses it, are more accurate in my opinion. It is my – that is okay. how I practice. I just changed – you can change it on time passages. Cool. From Placidus to whole – what is it? Whole house? Whole sign, yeah. Whole sign. Whole sign. You, so I did choose it. whole and house. Choose whole sign. There's uh, – It okay. is. It okay. is. That didn't it didn't give me the option for whole house. Okay. So you're right. Now it says that my sun is in the ninth. My moon. Now everything has shifted, and I have no idea who I am. So. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anytime I've ever done a reading for you, it has been in, in whole sign houses. Just okay. know that. Just right. know that. So if okay. you trusted me okay. so far, right. you could, could feel rest oh, assured. No, of course, I rest trust assured. you. It's not you that I'm. <laughs> Right? It's me. It's the what am I looking at that's not adding up. Right? Oh, so, wow. Look okay. at us. Both of our different like little insecurity things just manifested where I'm like, oh, no, you don't trust me. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not getting this right. I don't trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, no. It's me I don't trust. That's fun. That's interesting. Hold on. Okay. We'll um, dig into that later. We'll, we'll process Virgo that later. Virgo stellium. Virgo stellium, no need to process. It is what it is. <laughs> Call me Judge Judy, but it's all on my own. <laughs> okay. Okay. ADHD sidebar. Thank you for joining And we're Work is life. Work is life. has her moon in Gemini in the 10th house, which brings more, again, more attention to publicity. It also gives her a very natural talent for communicating and networking and feeling relatable to people, being relatable to people. Which is interesting because she was so like unattainably gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And she was so nice and so friendly. I never read one single mean word spoken about her. About working with oh, no, her either. at all. Yeah. It's ne- I've never seen a mean word about her, truly. That does not mean that she is just a little angel. Not right? at all. Because yeah. I've heard really bad things about, say, who's an example? Uh, oh, I know the perfect, perfect, perfect person, Catherine Heigl. I've really? heard terrible things. In and out. I used to live in Los Angeles for six years. I was kind of in the industry. I heard awful things. Guess what? It's not that she's a bitch or she's rude. I've fucking met her personally and she's a delight. She's incredible. Her and her mother. They actually gave me an audition to one of her shows. And it was the absolute worst audition I've ever done in my life. Hey, um, that was cute. I literally like apologized for myself and just said like, bye. <laughs> uh, left. I was like, I'm not going to waste your time anymore. This is cute. I appreciate it. It's like us on the pod last week trying to record and we just literally instead. We were like, you know what? Today's not our day. <laughs> literally. If only I could have been like, could I come back tomorrow? <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's because she stood up for herself. Yeah. It's because Catherine Heigl is a very big activist and proponent for workers' rights, essentially, especially on these sets, right? Because in Hollywood, you are working 16, 20 hours a day. Nobody gives a fuck. You raise such a good point because it illustrates the expectation of, I think, women in these industries because, number one, if they were men, they wouldn't even be a fucking thing. But number two, that Mm -hmm. uh, being 
good to work with also means not having boundaries and being complicit. Yeah, and, and that is how and this obedient. manifests for Brooke. Hundred percent, and I for see sure that. But also, the Gemini Moon does make her relatable. Like that's part of the the energy, you know. Oh sure, sure, that's totally not a part of it. But yeah, absolutely, it it all is interlaced together. Absolutely. So this also gives her a really great ability and keen ability to think on her feet and adapt to needs and demands of her career and the people in it with ease. Now, here's another breadwinner aspect for you. Her moon is conjunct her midheaven, which is the sensitive point of fame, recognition, career, vocation, notoriety. And Venus. So her moon is holding hands with both of them. So just like the sun was in a love sandwich with Jupiter and the North Node, her moon was in a little sandwich with her midheaven and her Venus. So both of the beneficial planets in her chart were hanging out with her luminaries, were hanging out with her sun and her moon, two of the most important other planets in her chart. So like for her, truly the goods were good, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. the lows were low, low, low. Get low, mm-hmm. low, low, low. You know? Right. So this is also where we get the high key feminine beauty icon situation. With her moon conjunct her MC and Venus all in Gemini. The fact that she had her MC and Venus conjunct just screams in all capital neon letters. This is the idea of a woman. Co and she was. <laughs> right? Like this is what woman is. Mm-hmm. It puts that Venus oh, feminine yeah. aesthetic, beauty, arts, creative energy like right the fuck enmeshed in how she relates to people, how she feels, how she creates, and what she is known for. The MC. What she is known for is this representation, this iconic status of what a woman is. So really, 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 really fucking fascinating because this kind of speaks to that idealized vision of beauty, which is very Venus in Gemini, like a Gemini with the ideas, with the air, with the thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. But Brooke was, and like we said, easy to work with. Uh, her mother might not have been, but Brooke was, and part of that is because she was really seeking to bring harmony, ease, and creative variety to her work because she had her moon and Venus enmeshed in the MC. Of course, she's known to be harmonious. Of course, she's known to be peaceful. Of course, she's known to be quick and charming and lovable. Easy to work with. Yeah, because like that's just part of what she brings. That is part of the energy. It's not just the trauma. The air of her aura. (laughs) Yeah. 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 The trauma probably exaggerated it, but this was already a gift she has and that she possessed Additionally, her journey, at least from a public perspective, has been kind of a very dark Hollywood twist on the Mother Maiden Crone saga, right? Very much archetypes of the divine feminine, which is Venus. So Mm -hmm. she represents and portrays these different Venus themes like beauty and moon themes, mothering, especially when you take into account that she's written books and speaks on, which are both very Gemini things, writing and speaking. And she does that about her journey with postpartum depression and 
acutely feminine experience, you know? Like, if you can't get pregnant, you're never going to understand postpartum depression, and that's just biologically how that is. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's all very acutely Venus energy, very femme sure. energy, and it's all tied up into her moon. And this aspect, like we said, makes her kind, sincere, generous, creative, loving, warm, super artistic, very visionary, like a very able to like see, oh, I see what the art is. I see what the idea is. And, and then harness that yeah. into uh, verbal engagements with acting, right? And yep. so it's just really cute and kind of like charming and naturally flirty and goofy. It's got like kind of a nice, sweet, goofy lovable energy to it but again just as before we can't have just nice things <laughs> <laughs> let me guess another square you guessed correctly my friend her moon is square her mars and her ascendant so mars be fucking up with everybody over wow, here. wow so those are two virgos too mm-hmm. her rising and her mars virgo against virgo Against Gemini up there at the top. Yeah, this whole, like, enigma is happening across, like, only the mutable signs. It's happening with Gemini. It's happening with Virgo. And then when Saturn's involved, it's happening in Pisces. So it's only this mutable, changeable, transitional type of energy. And that's a lot of what Brooke is. She's so malleable Mm -hmm. because of all of that Mm -hmm. mutable energy. And that's part of also why she would just go with the flow of the environment. You know, that mutable energy. It's what do you need me to be? I'll be it. I'll fill in the gaps for you. And so this moon square Mars situation is another tense aspect that signals that it might be really difficult for Brooke to reconcile her emotions with her actions at times. This aspect can be indicative of short temper or potentially a tendency to overreact, which I never saw any any reports on. That's probably going to be shown within her family unit. Yeah. Is what I would guess. Is that like her husband and children have probably seen this part of her. But it's probably going to be reserved for people that are close to her. My other thought there is, uh, not that I disagree. I do agree that we all have those moments. We've all had those moments. But that the Venus on the MC and the moon thing would be so strong that it might like modify or moderate some of that or she internalizes it yeah yeah given some of her other placements i would not be that shocked i could totally see her angry at herself kind of stuff you know i mean we what we saw the level of accountability she was trying to take for the horrible things that happened to her yeah where she was like well maybe i if i you know i did go up in the elevator with him like you know and it's like a girl go up in the elevator when you feel like it you know yeah. And don't when you don't. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it was internalized some of that. Yeah, absolutely. It does kind of create a shoot first, ask questions later kind of attitude, which I do feel and see for her based on all of her interviews. Oh, yeah. Well, she said, I didn't know what I was doing. And the director would get upset with me because I had never had sex. So I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. And the director had to like hurt her on her feet so that she'd make orgasm type face. Yeah, yeah, the pain of pleasure. <laughs> the, the, the pleasure of exactly. pain. Exactly. Right. So, right, she did what 
she could. And then she would ask, well, what do you want? What, what am I, what am I not doing? What do I need to do? Also, that's a really interesting thing that just occurred to me because we were talking about this, the squares with all these like really heavy planets, these kind of painful planets to uh, this very public uh, career and Mm -hmm. relationship with self. And the fact that like she, they would have to literally use actual pain to bring out the other side of the spectrum which brings me to the Gemini going back and forth between ideas to pl- to pleasure, yeah. right? Using pain to yeah. elicit a pleasure um, illusion. Oh my god, hundred very, 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 very this mutable go go between energy, right? Yeah, oh, really, so wild. Mm. Also, as we know, the moon can represent the mother, so. This can probably speak to the difficulties that she had in her relationship with her mother, always controlling her actions, creating frictions in other relationships that require a really high degree of nurture. I think that due to Mars's reputation with drive and desires, with the square to the moon and the MC, this could be another contributing factor to the sex symbol persona, which was bestowed upon her by the public and inadvertently her mother as well. Yeah, by the industry, the public, and her mother. Yeah, because she would have never made it that far if her mother hadn't been like, yeah, let's do that. Be in those kind of roles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me sign off on this. Additionally, Brooke had her moon, square, Saturn, and Chiron, both of them. So this is another T-square. So she has, I'm telling you, There are like four different T-squares happening simultaneously in her chart, and they're all pointing to the same basic energies. It's a lot of tension. So piling on more mommy and emotional issues, Brooke had her moon at the focal point of a T-square too, and that was with Mars and her ascendant and Saturn and Chiron. So the wounds were running really deep yeah. here. Anytime I hear Mars, Saturn, and Chiron. Especially <laughs> together. And with the moon. Are you okay? The moon as the recipient. Oh, no, thank you. Brooke, blink twice if you're okay. <laughs> I also wouldn't be shocked if this in a big way is part of the postpartum energy that was able to come into play yeah. because Saturn does kind of govern and run the game on depression and Chiron involved with that just wounded healer really hype up the vulnerability. It's not a far reach that this energy was probably active when she was experiencing some of that postpartum stuff, especially yeah. like the way it fucks with your emotions and the moon and the mothering and like the what are the rules and the expectations and am I going to be perfect or I'm not even going to try, like all of that happens. And there's nobody here telling me what to do or how to be. Yeah. I wonder how much of that postpartum um, stuff comes from inherited trauma from like infancy with the mother or something like that. I'm ballparking here. I have no ground to stand on with that. It's just a hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. I wonder too. That's an interesting point. Anyway, this aspect is rough. It's really raw, really vulnerable, isolating, lonely. Also, it gives the idea that she, again, had to grow up too fast. When Saturn makes um, difficult contact, like a square opposition to either the sun or the moon, there kind of tends to be Mm -hmm. this indication of like, you had to grow up fast or there's some kind of isolation that occurred early in childhood leads to struggle with insecurities and self-doubt so even brooke shields energetically doubts herself yeah 
And just like everything that happens in astrology, this is a spectrum where there's a lot of tough energy. There's also a lot of significant work to heal it and to channel that tough stuff into productive outlets. These are just more aspects that add on to resilience and discipline and determination and self-assurance after the debris clears, you know. Mm-hmm. Woo! So that's her I know. Gemini stuff so far. But I will say, like, you know, look, my moon squares Saturn, and I also had to grow up pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So that tracks. That tracks. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Usually can indicate having to nurture the, the mother, having to be a nurturer to the person who's supposed to nurture. Never matter. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so... Brooke was a Virgo rising. Oh, please, let's talk about her Virgo, Virgo rising. rising for Brooke. It brings a have been waiting perfectionism vibes yes. online, which she has said in multiple yes. interviews. The pressure yep. that she felt to be perfect and to deliver a high standard that is like quintessential from the mouth of a Virgo. <laughs> yeah, and if you remember, like she had said, like I just waited for people to tell me what to say, what to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then did it perfectly. Yep. Virgo rising people tend to be a bit reserved, but this wasn't necessarily the case with Brooke so much due to the abundance of solar and 10th house and Venus and Jupiter energy. All of those, all the planets that she has like making good stuff with each other are in a social sign. So This isn't necessarily the typical like kind of quiet librarian vibe that a Virgo rising can give. Does not always, but can kind of give. They like to observe usually before they react to things. Mm -hmm. But it does make her very observant and detail-oriented. I also want to emphasize just how full her first house was. And with such heavy energies, Uranus, Pluto, and Mars were all in her first house. And they were all in Virgo. And because there were two generational planets in the first house... That, again, just speaks to this, like, perfect embodiment and figurehead for a whole generation. And I actually think that Ed Gein had his Pluto in the first house um, conjunct his ascendant, if I remember correctly. And he's a – we introduced him. If you remember how we introduced him, he was the uh, Hollywood horror poster boy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's true. There is something interesting that can apparently happen when you got big, heavy hitting uh, generational planets making important contact in that first house. So just really interesting. Mercury rules Gemini and we haven't spoken one whisper of Mercury's name since starting to read the birth chart because everything else Every other planet is is tied up to to each other in some way. Right, right. But they're all playing with each other in some in way. In some way there's some interaction, but Mercury was left out, which is really interesting because Mercury is actually the puppeteer behind the scenes calling the shots of everybody cuz Mercury rules Virgo, her rising sign and all her Virgo planets, and it rules Gemini, her 10th house, her midheaven and all her wow, Gemini yeah. planets. Like, hello, Mercury is, like, not even behind the scenes. He's, like, there, but no one's paying attention to it. And what else is really, really interesting is that, like Jeanette McCurdy, Brooks Mercury is unaspected to any other planet. It does not have an aspect to another planet. And neither did Jeanette. So what does that mean? 
that means that it's gone rogue. The planet's playing on its own, by its own terms, kind of. It's Honestly, that is so Virgo. (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting because, like we said in Jeanette's episode, unaspected planets, they can be really hard to access for the native for a long time. And they can cause havoc because of that, because they don't have anyone to check in with. They're not tied to any other energy in the chart. Nothing else is dependent on them that way. Nothing's amplifying that energy either. Right. So it's just doing its thing by kind of by itself. It's not in a direct communication with anybody. And so it can be really hard to have your own thoughts, your own opinions, to communicate yourself, to communicate what's going on inside. But then if you can harness, if you can figure out how to work with that energy, if you can access it very intentionally and directly, it can become a super cool source of strength and super cool source of talent. Because again, it's not bound by any other restriction energetically in the chart. Right. So – That's just really interesting. What else is really interesting is that her Mercury is in the ninth house and and in Taurus. And this is just so perfect because ultimately Brooke has and still loves deliberate storytelling, methodical Mm -hmm. learning, practical exploration, all qualities of Mercury in Taurus. Like she loves – learning she loves talking she loves sharing she loves communicating she loves she loved being in college she loved being in college and i think that that's really cool too because the ninth house is the house of higher learning it is where there is that like additional education that comes in it is about like understanding what your place is in the world and her mercury controls all of this this has all been some elaborate very cool attempt at Mercury to understand stories and understand how Mm -hmm. stories work. And this is the bread and butter. Her approach to everything is filtered through a practical and grounded way to communicate, which is how she probably has been able to keep herself (laughs) together, (laughs) not falling apart, you know, because I don't think I ever read anything about drug and alcohol abuse being out of hand. No, I don't remember. Could you imagine having this level of like, everything and availability and whatever and it's just like yeah no she never that wasn't where her issues were at you know Mm -hmm. she was able to stay grounded despite the significant ups and downs of her life it also speaks to her publishing her writing and her again affinity for higher learning and education and i will also say like her fucking podcast like she has a podcast i think that's a great medium very good for her yeah so yeah. that's the astrology of an icon. That is the astrology of an unconsensual sexual <laughs> icon. <laughs> what what was our thing? Someone uh, help. <laughs> of an un- unconsenting sex icon. Thank you. Something Thank like you. That. Sex symbol. Yes, yeah. we got it. We got it. We got it. But listen, that is the astrology of Brooke Shields. And guess what? Next week, we're going down timelines. Timelines and transits. Timelines and transits. We are going to get these patterns if it's the last thing we do. <laughs> you tell them. Perfect. Find them. <laughs> oh, my God. But you know what? I feel like this really does give sort of some insight into who she is, like how things came to be 
etc. It makes a lot of sense. It definitely illustrates that, like, it was not sunshine and rainbows to be Brooke Shields, mm-hmm. no matter what face anyone wanted to stick on her. Yeah. yeah. Like, she earned it. She earned her grit. Well, and I wonder what she could have been had she had her own autonomy from the beginning. Like, she might be a really successful scientist or something mm-hmm. right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Ah, it's going to be fun to unpack the rest of it. Until then, my friends, please, uh, please review us on Apple or Spotify. It helps us reach new folks so we can continue to share this stellar (laughs) knowledge. So helpful. So helpful. Subscribe and share us with your friends. And also, don't forget to check out the workshop that Danny and I are hosting together. It is uh, Spiritual Routines and Hygienes, Establish and Maintain Your Spiritual Connection. We're going to get into all of the good tidbits about why spirituality is so important, the benefits of having a spiritual practice, how to create one that feels good to you, and the uber, uber important and often overlooked topic of spiritual hygiene and maintenance that is my shit right now jam. come with us come with us i'll drop a link if you're interested to register and it's gonna be great so we'd love to see you there we'd love to like you know facetime with the peeps the peeps in the world one-on-one you know please we want to see you we want to know you we want to love you and you know you can also book readings and sessions with either one of us also Um, tight or you know you can just catch us here that is totally cool too we love that that journey for all of us we love that for (laughs) you we love that for all of us uh yeah Thank you, friends. We will see you next week. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. And please continue to invoke your willpower. I'll make good choices. That's right, Rue. <laughs> she said, I can do this. Yeah, part. we now have an, another guest star, a co-host, a new co-host, Rue. Uh, she said, Mom, I heard you wrap it up. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.